Today's podcast is one of a series dedicated to learning more about how institutions approach the challenges to improve healthcare equity. Our very first podcast pertaining to this topic was back in 2021 with Dr. Chris DiRienzo, who at that time was serving as Senior Vice President and System Chief Medical Officer at WakeMed Health in Raleigh, North Carolina. He shared with us then about how his hospital system had become very aware of how disparities were driving important healthcare outcomes, such as mortality and immunization and infection rates during the COVID pandemic surges, and how those insights then drove new efforts to improve healthcare equity. It's worth a listen. Our most recent guests, leaders from Mayo Clinic, talked about the evolution of institutional programs related to healthcare equity and about the accreditation aspects of healthcare equity. These discussions shed light on organizational and regulatory approaches to ramp up efforts to improve equity. But today is different. Today, we're treated to a discussion with a leader from the Mayo Clinic staff who serves in several roles to promote diversity, equity, and inclusion at our organization. I'm looking forward to learning more from him about some of those activities. But more than that, I'd like to hear what his vision is for the future in healthcare. Over the years, I've become a huge admirer of the speeches and letters of Martin Luther King Jr. He was a master orator. The content, structure, imagery, and beauty of his speeches I find simply amazing. Who wouldn't be inspired by a speech that rings out, I have a dream that my four little children will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. I mean, it's inspiring stuff. He was talking about equity then in 1963. You know, what followed that famous line, which almost everybody has heard, should also be remembered. His next sentence was, I have a dream today. There was an urgency then to that message of equity, and there is urgency now for healthcare equity. So what's your dream for equity in healthcare? Welcome to Key Into Quality, a Mayo Clinic podcast focusing on healthcare quality, experience, and affordability trends and solutions. This podcast aims to help you take some of those first steps towards understanding and improving quality challenges in your organization. Thanks a lot for joining us. I'm Dr. Tim Morgenthaler, a professor of medicine at Mayo Clinic and the vice chair of Mayo Clinic Quality. Co-hosting with me today is Sherry Nemec. Sherry? Welcome, everyone. I'm Sherry Nemec, Consultation Relationship Manager for Quality at Mayo Clinic. It's interesting that you bring up Dr. Martin Luther King's I Have a Dream speech, because yesterday was actually the 60th yeah. anniversary of that inspirational message, which, of course, as you mentioned, then and now continues to challenge us to act when we encounter inequality. I just find going back and listening to those speeches or reading them in some of the uh, uh, books that, that house them, you can always find new things to inspire you. He's just was brilliant with his words. Well, today we're being joined by Dr. Adam Milam, a colleague of ours from Mayo Clinic in Phoenix, Arizona, and he's been pursuing his dreams. Dr. Milam, do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself and introduce our, our listeners to you? Thank you so much for allowing me to speak with you guys today. Adam Milam, I'm an anesthesiologist, born and raised in Baltimore, have gone all over the country for training. So Wayne State for medical school, Cedar sinai for residency, Cleveland Clinic, and I've been at Mayo Clinic for about two years now in the Department of Anesthesiology and fortunate enough to be the medical director for the Office of Health, Equity, and Inclusion since last August, partnering with Don Peters. Well, so you are relatively new to Mayo Clinic, and welcome aboard, and uh, we're you. so glad to have you both as our guest, but also as a colleague. 
tell us a little bit about how you first got interested in your post as medical director of the Office of Health Equity and Inclusion. As I mentioned, grew up in Baltimore City. It did not take long to notice the differences in resources by neighborhood. I know this is before I had an understanding of the concepts related to public health. So I actually started college as a chemical and biomolecular engineering major, but found Yay. my way. <laughs> I'm a chemical engineer by background too. Yay. Uh, you're going to be disappointed by this next part. I found my way to public health after suffering for four semesters as an engineering major. So I really immersed myself in public health and had the opportunity to work at the Baltimore City Health Department to create neighborhood health profiles. We essentially examined social determinants of health by neighborhood and included health outcomes, including life expectancy. Wow. So the 2011 reports, which I co-authored, found a 20-year difference in life expectancy in neighborhoods just five miles apart. Wow. So a stark difference. So I knew public health and medicine were needed to improve health outcomes. So I pursued graduate degrees in public health before starting medical school. And so when I got to Mayo Clinic and I saw that this opportunity had opened up, I thought it would be a perfect opportunity to marry my research, my clinical interests, and then also serve the institution. And so I'm so grateful to be able to serve in this role. That is an incredible background. And we'll give you a buy on the engineering degree. <laughs> hey, listen, <laughs> after sorry. my engineering degree, I went to medical school and ultimately ended up in the Navy for a while. So, you know, yeah. a very yeah. background, but you have no regrets about all that differing uh, training that you had. None at all. Yeah. And what, what fabulous background. And it sounds like it was a, just a, a meant to be perfect match for when you got here. And then this opportunity presented itself for you. So tell us how you got started in this work and who did you involve? Yeah. So when I actually got started in this work, I really wanted to get a landscape of what was happening at Mayo Clinic around health equity and reducing healthcare disparities. So of course we started with the data and Mayo Clinic is known for having rich data resources. Mm -hmm. And so we went to the current center and had them stratify health outcome data, screening data by patient demographics, the key ones. So gender, race, ethnicity, measures of socioeconomic status to see if there are any disparities at Mayo Clinic. And if there are, how can we tackle those disparities? But then, you know, talking to other stakeholders. So we have a lot of different centers focused on health equity here at Mayo Clinic. So we have the Office of Equity, Inclusion and Diversity, which work focused on workforce diversity, but partners very closely with the clinical practice to make sure that we're not contributing to healthcare disparities. We have Checker, who does a community-engaged research in health equity. So talk to them and also the, the current center and the cancer center, really to see what exactly we're doing around improving health equity and how we can work together to provide the best care for our patients. And just for our listeners, you've mentioned a couple of times the Kern Center. The Kern Center, uh, Kern is the name of a very generous benefactor who helped us start the Center for the Science of Healthcare Delivery. So it's kind of a think tank if you will, at Mayo Clinic, filled with PhDs and MDs and policy specialists and all kinds of things that really allow us to do a lot of integrative analysis of the data that we have and data that we find from elsewhere to try to learn, you know, how can we deliver healthcare better? So I just wanted to mention that you were doing that work with them and, and all these other partners. As you've gotten the landscape, as you're talking about at Mayo Clinic, which Actually, my mind is a little blown that you've learned all of that in two years of being here. It's a very large organization, so it, it, it's a tribute to your inquisitiveness and persistence. Talk to us a little bit about the overlap then between quality and health equity. How, what's your view about that? That's an important question. I think we're 
doing the, the right thing here at Mayo Clinic. So the Office of Health Equity and Inclusion is embedded within quality. So we've reported up through quality uh, through the institution. There's actually a commentary published in JAMA Network last year. And the title of the commentary is Equity and Quality, Improving Healthcare Delivery Requires Both. So the article mentions that there is no quality without equity and there is no equity without quality. Mm -hmm. So as we design quality projects and initiatives, a health equity lens should be applied. Our federal agencies have recognized this overlap as demonstrated by the new health equity leadership standards that went into effect January 1 through the Joint Commission. They're now national patient safety goals. So our, the Joint Commission is our agency to ensure safe and quality health care. So I think we'll continue to see this trend of embedding equity within the quality space. And just like quality is everybody's business, the same applies to equity. Yeah, and actually those implementation of those equity standards and leadership for accreditation was the topic of a recent podcast with our enterprise director of uh, accreditation. So really Melanie Ryan is that. amazing. So I, I hope everyone's listening to that. that yeah, podcast. she is you, simply but, amazing. But listeners beware. Usually you're probably turning the podcast speed up with her. You may have to turn it down <laughs> just a little bit. She, she is really bright. Yeah. <laughs> so, but yes. wonderful to talk with. So you've got to Mayo, there's all these standards, regulations, it's bringing to light the need to start to look into equity and healthcare. So surprises along the way for you, what would you say? A lot of surprises. So when I was interviewing for this position, we didn't know about the standards through the Joint Commission. And then the standards have come out for CMS Centers for Medicaid Services. And so... There was a lot more work than I had expected to put in for, <laughs> for this role. And that happens, I think, with every role. I started the role August of 22, and we found out about the National Patient Safety Goals and the Health Equity Leadership Standards the, the following month. And so we had to gear up as an institution to make sure that we could meet those standards by January 1, so just under you know four or five months. And Given all the resources that we have, we're fortunate at Mayo Clinic that we were able to ramp up. And we have, of course, amazing accreditation colleagues who made sure that we were meeting our standards well in advance of the, the deadline of January 1 and before mm -hmm. they became national patient safety goals. So we've had several site visits through for Joint Commission at our critical access hospitals in the Midwest, as well as our main site in Rochester. And we've done fine as far as health equity, which speaks to all the efforts that had already been ongoing at Mayo Clinic and, again, our accreditation department. So, uh, yeah, surprise, you've got the role. Here's a pair of tennis shoes. Get running, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> so I want to step back just a little bit. I mean, we've been talking pretty far down into the weeds of the job and the partners, and that's, you know, all um, amazing. I'm hoping that uh, periodically you kind of step back from all that busyness and think about, well, what would health equity really look like at Mayo Clinic in the future? And dream a little bit for us. Share your dream with us. Yes. So Mayo Clinic is known for its amazing healthcare delivery services. And so we manage serious and complex issues, and we are able to integrate healthcare education and research. I want the same thing for equity. I want Mayo Clinic to be a global leader in health equity. That mm. means that all patients that have historically lacked access to health care see Mayo Clinic as the preferred destination for their care. And uh. we're not having any disparities among our patients here at Mayo Clinic that we're treating. And so that's my vision, that we can lead the nation in reducing health disparities and advancing health equity. That's inspiring, and it's a goal, and we can measure our progress towards that, can't we? 
Absolutely. Um, as you mentioned, the Karen Center has amazing data resources. And so we're tracking everything that we're doing around equity to make sure the interventions are effective and sustainable. It wouldn't be quality if we weren't talking about measurement, right, Dr. Yes. Morgenthaler? <laughs> That's true. <laughs> <laughs> so that's, right, the data, that sort of side, beautiful vision of where we want to go. Talk a little bit about maybe transferring that over to the impact then on not only our staff, but on the patients we serve as well. Yes. Yeah, so a lot of this work will happen with the staff, staff education to make sure that we're providing culturally appropriate care for the patients that we see. And we see a wide range of patients here at Mayo Clinic as it's a destination practice. And we also have our international patients. So there are a lot of different diseases and disorders that we can tackle in a lot of different cultures that we will encounter. And we need to make sure that our workforce is ready for that. And so there's a lot of training through the Office of Equity and Inclusion and Diversity, and also some training through OHI to make sure that we're applying culturally competent care. But for our patients, it's the same thing, providing that education for our patients to say, hey, this is what you should be looking for when you're talking to your physician. These are some of the concerns you might be aware of. And so we really want to provide that education both for our patients, but also for our uh, healthcare workers. Definitely an empowerment strategy then for patients to yes. be a partner in that care. Yes. I'm backing us up again. I have a tendency to do that. I've been sitting here dwelling on what you clarified as a vision. It's very easy to see how as we fulfill that vision, we will become, I love what you said, you know, a preferred place for mm -hmm. patients who historically have less access to the kind of care that they want. That makes me uh, tingly to think about that. As we achieve that goal, what effect do you think that's going to have on our culture internally, on, on Mayo Clinic as a place to work? I think we'll enhance that to say the good that we're doing within the community, and we're doing great things already. But to, I think it'll be a bigger impact for, again, the folks who have historically lacked access to say, hey, not only can you get access to an amazing quality center, but we can help improve some of the outcomes that we see and the disparities that we see. And so I think that'll be very fulfilling for a lot of our physicians and medical workforce, because a lot of people went into medicine to help improve health outcomes mm -hmm. and improve population health. And so I think if we see that impact through the work that we're doing through this office and other offices at Mayo, it will enhance the sense of belonging at Mayo Clinic, just to show that the, the good that we can do with the resources that we have at Mayo. Yeah, yeah. I like that. You're in a position and have a background that could really spot uh, sort of emerging advances in health equity across the nation. What are the big trends or the things that are piquing your interest I think that's the most exciting part of my job to look at those emerging technologies and advances in health equity. And so there are dozens of emergent advances in the health equity space. Many of these advances are focused on digital technologies to meet the patients where they are. Mm. So we know that transportation and accessibility are social determinants mm -hmm. of health that are associated with disparities in outcomes. So any kind of digital options like telehealth may improve access to care. I think we have to ensure that a high level of quality and have a health equity lens so that these digital offerings do not increase disparities. There are also digital platforms that can help provide that culturally competent care that we were just talking about. And lastly, I think AI has the potential to advance health equity by reducing biases of the medical workforce. Again, we need to be mindful that AI and other technologies can create and expand disparities. We need to make sure the right people are at the table when decisions about these technologies are made. I think the other important thing is just the increased focus around health equity, and that's demonstrated by the, the Joint Commission and CMS. 
It's been an increased focus since the pandemic. I think this will lead to innovation and resources to address this challenging issue. AI or artificial or augmented intelligence, depending on how you care to envision that. Give us an example of how that might affect or improve health equity as, let's say, I'm caring for a patient in, uh, you know, in clinic or something. We've learned a lot about AI with colonoscopies and helping to detect lesions with colonoscopies. And so in low-resource communities where hospitals may be doing dozens and dozens of colonoscopies a day and may not have the resources, AI might augment that and help uh. out our healthcare providers to detect again, lesions for patients within GI and other areas. So I think there's a lot of potential for AI to help advance health equity. So it can kind of democratize expertise in a way. Sometimes real expertise is focused disproportionately. And so it's a way of kind of uh, spreading some of that. And actually, now that you mention it, I, I remember some very motivating, inspirational projects to use like iPhone technology to spread ophthalmologic expertise into developing nations, you know, where they can use an, an iPhone and, and a toilet paper roll to actually do some eye exams and things that thank you for bringing those kind of uh, possibilities to our light. So all of that is super exciting, intriguing, but I'm curious in your work so far, which really has been a, about a year in this space, yeah. what worries do you have? What's keeping you up at night around this? So just the speed of advancing health equity, it's generally pretty slow. And we usually wait for, you know, different cycles, as you guys know, within quality going through cycles to make sure the intervention is appropriate. And so I worry about that because people are dying and people are getting sicker. And so we need to be able to ramp this up, but also make sure it's effective. So that keeps me up at night, how we can move quickly, but also effectively to make sure that we can reduce disparities. Find that balance in between. Yes, Mm -hmm. absolutely. Yeah. Innovation versus risk. Innovation carries a certain amount of risk. So how do you innovate with an appropriate level of risk, but also not be complacent? Yes. That's really well put. So in this work, you've already enumerated many, many different partners within Mayo Clinic. In your role, are you collaborating with other organizations and health systems to advance health equity? Tell us about that. Absolutely. So there are not a lot of best practices around advancing health equity. There are some, but not a lot. And so be effective at this work. We really need to collaborate with a lot of external partners. And so we work with other hospitals, organized medicine, and federal agencies to see what we should be doing around health equity to provide the best care for our patients. We also have done panels with the work group for electronic data interchange to brainstorm how institutions and insurance companies can collaborate to advance health equity. Mm-hmm. Similarly, we did a session with the Defense Health Board, which is a little intimidating, but uh, a good <laughs> discussion focused on reducing healthcare disparities. And so we had shared a lot of great ideas. And we're fortunate to have many male employees involved in community organizations and groups focused on health equity. This is beneficial for our patients at Mayo Clinic, as well as our staff, which are lifelong learners. And we hope to share this information with other institutions through peer-reviewed publications and research presentations so that we can advance health equity across the country. Man. Now, Adam, you know, uh, my clinical specialty is I'm a sleep specialist. I'm just kind of thinking of all the work we've done in a year and I... Uh, he must not be maybe sleeping. You, maybe you and I need <laughs> to talk. You would not be happy with my sleep hygiene. I think we, we need I to, think, uh, Yeah, I think we need to talk a little bit after this. I'm, <laughs> I'm worried about your health, brother. <laughs> wow. You obviously have incredible experience and incredible intellect and energy around this and passion around this. We'd love yeah. to talk more, but we have come to the end of our podcast almost. 
And that's only to say, we've been asking all the questions. Is there anything else you want to share with our listeners about this work, this topic, your vision? I would love to hear from you guys what you think we should be doing at Mayo Clinic to advance health equity. Any ideas that you guys have? I, I don't think I have my thoughts as well formed as yours, except that there are things about this whole area that very much concern me. And, and it, it may strike you as awkward, but you asked, so I'm going to share. I worry about the workforce that I'm working with and for. I really am very struck with how, despite the fact that our patient population has changed so much over my career, I haven't really seen anything close to that kind of change in the composition of my colleagues. And so as a more senior member of the faculty and staff here, I'm constantly trying to figure out how do I do a better job personally and how can I help my organization do a better job to recruit, attract, retain talent? I'm thinking of efforts starting in my community in high school. Before that, what do we need to do to break out of the STEM block that we're in? Because I think it's a real threat, not just to healthcare, but to our standing as a nation and everything else. So I really spend a lot of my time thinking about that. Maybe it's because I feel it's a sphere of influence that I, I have a little bit of traction in. That's what I think about. That's very insightful. And we know that diversifying the medical workforce is probably the most effective way to reduce healthcare disparities. And so that that's spot on. And so I'm glad you're engaged in those efforts. I think the medical school is doing a great job of getting a very diverse class. And so hopefully we can retain some of those folks as consultants in the medical workforce here at Mayo Clinic. We're actually doing a podcast with some guests who have started a community-based effort. And so I, I don't know whether that one's already come out or shortly come out, but that's an effort that I resonate with greatly. So Great. how about you, Sherry? I don't know about suggestions. I do appreciate all the work that's been put into engaging staff at Mayo Clinic in the conversations. They've been created in a way that makes it safe, I think, or at least as safe as we can from a psychological perspective to be in dialogue with each other. And I think that's just a, a huge benefit that I have as a staff member here. And I'm hopeful that those will continue to grow. It's, it's just a wonderful thing for us to participate in. Yeah, yeah. It's exciting to see our organization strive for excellence in this area too. So, well, we have come to the end of our podcast. We're really glad that you could join us and we hope that the information provided has been insightful and valuable and enjoyable. Again, Mayo Clinic's Key into Quality podcast aims to help you take some of those first steps to address important quality challenges in your organization. The development of this podcast is part of our effort to be a valued resource to healthcare organizations striving to improve. And our goal is to improve quality for patients and the populations that we all serve. Please let us know if you enjoyed these podcasts. If you did, let others in your organization know about it so the information can be spread. And give us a thumbs up on your podcast platform. Let us know. Thanks again. Until next time, goodbye. Thank you.